we've been talking about detoxing your life for a while because we all know we live in a toxic world and it's very hard to remain yourself when everything around you is continually trying to uh, mold you uh, into a way of thinking and into a way of living that's much less than what God has planned for you. And we talked about a lot of things that God, through his power, through his word, and through his blood, detoxes us from that we allow in our lives. And last uh, installment of this message is about detoxing from the spirit of the age that really has to do with the nature of sin that's in human beings and the, the, the spirit of the age that manipulates that nature uh, if you're not careful, your failures morally and mentally, spiritually will have you creating a doctrine that fits you rather than letting God's doctrine form you into, you into who you should be. In other words, instead of God's word bringing you to his standard, when you live in failure long enough, you'll bring God's word down to fit your life. And at that point, you have become what the Bible calls a reprobate. Reprobate mind means you don't know right from wrong. The next stage of having a reprobate mind is when you start calling evil good and good evil. Like those Christians, you know, they're all terrible, you know. At the end of the day, the enemy wants to call God a bigot because that's how Satan feels about him. He resents him and hates him. And he, he wants to paint the picture that all of God's standards that have to do with life and freedom, that have to do with health and family. The enemy wants to convince the world that all of that is evil and that, that it's, it's pressure and that it's, it's God domineering and manipulating their lives, that he made them weak and then he expected strength from them. But in fact, all of those things that God says over our life is not for his benefit, but for ours. And the standards that God brings in our life are for our happiness and for our success and for our blessing. So it, it produced this age that we live in produced a type of Christian who wants and a doctrine who wants to live his own way yet expect great blessing. And they engineered a way of thinking and believing where it really doesn't matter how you live because God doesn't really care. Well, God certainly cares because he wants you to succeed and he loves you like any good father would. And you have to enter into the things that he has for you. And part of that entering in is a transformation from the bondage of sin and to the freedom that is provided at the cross. Now, some people, because their mind is so contaminated, they don't even believe it exists, that it's actually harsh to say that you can be free. But it was Jesus' intention at the cross to make you free rather than to make you feel better in your failure or make you feel more successful in your failure. Jesus said, I'm just going to make you free. That's why he said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free because he really wanted you to be free from the power of sin, the attraction to the mud puddle, the attraction to the past, the attraction to things that are not good for you that bring you into bondage. So the ultimate decontamination of our lives is having a confrontation of God's holy word with our compromised life. Now that sounds harsh, but, but it's no more harsh than the surgeon that takes out a scalpel to cut out a cancer. Well, that sounds harsh, but you know what? Some of us have to have that. 
Some people need a confrontation that says, you know what? That behavior that's stealing your life is going to stop and the new you is going to rise up and you're going to become what God called you to be. You're not going to settle for less than that. I thank God it is actually a grace and a gift from God when the Bible says he would give us grace to repent. That many people, they, don't, they think they're in the grace, but they don't even have the grace to repent when they're wrong. They call it grace, but they don't have the grace of repentance. Where God, it is a gift. Grace means a gift. God doesn't grant the arrogant and the prideful the grace to say they're sorry. And so they're like, and they begin to defend what's killing them. This is a reprobate mind. They don't know right from wrong. They're wise in their own eyes, and their mind confronts God's word and says, that's not true. What I think is true. That's the stage where you can't think right. P.S., we have one of our precious soldiers back in town. Daryl is here. My other brother, Daryl, back from his stint again somewhere in the world. He can't ever tell us where he's going because it's so secret. And it's such like this guy, we don't even know what he's doing. He's doing something crazy for God somewhere in the world. And you're safe and we can all laugh and go to the ball game and have a great life because uh, provided by that guy right there. So let's give him one more shout out. Woo! I know he wishes he could be every, here every Sunday like you are. But he's out providing you the freedom to be here every Sunday. So we're going to excuse him for that reason. <laughs> so I want to continue speaking to you about this because God has a plan for your freedom. He doesn't have a plan for you to make a more well-crafted excuse. He has a plan for your actual freedom so that things like sin, perversion, wickedness are not secretly dominating your life while you come to church and lift your hands like a free man. He actually wants you to be free. And he has a plan for you to be free and you have to just believe it. I'm going to begin where I left off. If, if you want to catch up with us, you have to go online and listen to last week's message. I want to talk to you about four steps to restoring the fear of the Lord in your life. Now, I want to begin by saying Satan, who is very seldom mentioned in any church in America, but he does exist. Jesus mentioned him all the time. Jesus was in a constant conflict with Satan, who one of his names is Lucifer, which means the bringer of light. The Bible says that Satan himself is transformed as an angel of revelation. So Satan himself becomes a Bible teacher at times and begins to twist the word to fit people's lives rather than what the word was intended for, which was to straighten out people's lives. So Satan uses a flood of media to war against God's people. The Bible predicts that in the last days, there will be a satanic flood of media that would begin to pour out worldwide, baptizing the world in filth and contaminating them so they could not think clearly. And that flood includes the church. It's not the flood that's in Hollywood or the flood that's in San Francisco or Amsterdam, but it's a flood that floods the church because it's a private flood that's flooding through their phones, flooding through their computers, and it's always there ready to contaminate. And that's why Jesus said offenses are going to come. In other words, people are going to stumble and fall, but woe to, who, to, to whom those offenses come through. In other words, anybody that causes these little ones to stumble, that has planned stumbling, Jesus said it is much better that a millstone be tied around their neck and they would have been thrown into the depths of the sea. 
That's pretty bad. Where God said, the person that is setting up the falling, the individual that's setting up all the weakness and all the falling has a greater responsibility than those people who are the targets of the falling. Many of us can watch a movie from the 80s. We can't believe that nobody has a cell phone. You can watch a movie from 91. You're like, they're having to go to an actual phone. And like, we're like, what is that? It's an actual phone. Isn't that quaint? And, like, and if they have a cell phone, it's like this big. Like, hello. <laughs> if you watch Andy Griffith, you know, it's like, Mabel, would you? No, her name's not Mabel. What's her name? What's her name? Sarah? It's somebody, he says, Sarah, give me one, two, three. And we look back at that. You know, that was just the 60s, you know. Her name was Sarah? I'm a sharp guy. He, he says so. He's responsible. So the technology that we enjoy every day, which is a computer in your hand, is a blessing and a curse. Because it can bring you worship and it can bring you wonderful things. But it's also what, when I was growing up, in order to be contaminated by all kinds of perverse things, you'd have to go to the illegal bookstore or you'd have to go to a theater where everybody would see you. Like some theater where weird people went and you just weren't going there. So when I was growing up, you had no access unless you had a dirty old uncle who hid something under the bed. But now... For 12-year-olds, it's on the phone. And that's why it's very not wise for parents to hook their kids up with a phone ASAP. That is not a smart thing to do. I'm not condemning you, but let me tell you the truth. That's not smart. Because you're assuming some things that should not be assumed. You're assuming that this child is able to handle that kind of power in their hand. And that's a not a very smart thing. They, they're your children and you're responsible for protecting them. Now, Revelations 12, I'm going to give you the first point. How do you decontaminate? Point one, four steps to restoring the fear of the Lord. Number one, repent and disconnect from the source of the contamination. Repent and disconnect from the source of the contamination. If you go to the doctor and they know that you've been breathing in toxins from your environment, they're going to get you out of that house and they're going to have somebody go in there with a meter and find out what kind of mold's in that house. And they're going to get rid of that mold before they put you back in the house. If you're living in a toxic environment, then you're going to be toxic. So if you want to win, if you want to get the fear of the Lord, you must disconnect. And some people, it sounds so harsh. You must disconnect from the source of your contamination. If you want to be contaminated, go ahead and try to play it both ways. But there is only one way the Bible tells us that we can win, and that is a repentance, which means to change the way you think about it, and then disconnect. If you have, look at Revelation 12, this is the prophecy I was referring to. Revelation 12, verse 15, and the serpent hurled water, which means words in the Bible, hurled water like a river out of his mouth after the woman. The woman represents the church. So that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. What a poignant illustration of media in the last days. The book of Revelation says the enemy is going to be in to open his mouth and he's going to direct a target called the church. He's going to direct an attack toward a target called the church and he's going to begin to hurl out media. And everybody in this room knows that's true. Because it, 
you can be with your own family sitting at dinner, and if you're not careful, you'll have your phone there checking your Facebook, and then three other people at the table will all be also be looking at, and like this is the Christian home, and, you know, these, and everybody's somewhere else. They're playing a game, they're, on the, they're, they're going through, some of you right now are like, hey, you're talking about me, and I'm in church right now. <laughs> you can see somebody in church, they'll be like, <laughs> like, I can't see that phone, but I know it's there. You already checked out. You're not listening to this message. You're just checking at uh, Facebook or Instagram or you're connecting to your media. It is, a, it is an attractive uh, nuisance. It's changing the relationships in our home. It's changing the way people do everything. And the thought of disconnecting is anathema to many people. But this is what it says, verse 16. But the earth helped the woman. In other words, the earth here is referring to the world. But the earth helped the woman. How did the earth help the church? How did the world help the church? And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the river which the dragon had hurled out of its mouth. In other words, at some point, the world itself began to consume all of its filth and it saved the church because they disconnected. You got to make your mind up. Let the world have what's in the world, and you have Jesus, but you will never have both. The only salvation there is is a disconnection. Let the world have whatever is the world, and you take what is God's. But if you choose to be in between, you are a target. Listen, you know this because you're all smart. Social media and Google and others are studying your every move. They know you're at church right now. They're studying your every move not to uh, serve you better, like they say. They want to manipulate your behavior just like the devil. I'm not saying they're the devil. I'm just saying just like the devil. They're watching everything. Every time you click on a photo or an advertisement, every time you search for pool equipment or a certain type of car, it went into their giant computer and they made a file on you to find out what your weaknesses and triggers are. Now, I I didn't make it. It's just science. It's true. They want to design images and opportunities that control your behavior. And you think you're in control, but you're not. So if you're looking for a fireplace three weeks from now, when you're most likely to buy, when you just got your check, an advertisement for a fireplace is coming up on your screen. You're like, this is the Lord's. This is God. I was just thinking about that. Or if your weakness is, you know, I love old cars. I like to fool old cars. And, and sometimes they make me spend money when I shouldn't spend money. Come on. But maybe sometimes it's God. I don't know. Because, you know, in your weakness, you can't think straight. And so I, for a couple of times on my Facebook marketplace, have hit like 57 Chevrolet, 65 Ford, blah, 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 motors, transmissions. And so I'm just doing it to look. Now, when I turn on Facebook marketplace, it's nothing but you would think only thing people sell is old cars. And several times my dream car showed up on there and I just knew it was the Lord. Come on, somebody. Like that was, how could, that just could not be, that could not be an accident. Only God knew I wanted that car. And I'm like, they know, and, and now they've got me distracted from my family time. I'm thinking about a 1969 Ranchero GT with hideaway headlights. 
And I can't focus on my wife because I'm thinking, how do I get $7,900? How do I get $7,900? You think I'm with you. You think I'm at the pulpit. But really, I'm somewhere chasing down a car. Because they'd already planted that seed and it's starting to grow in my mind. I'm looking for the money. I know I'm outing my own self. But you know I'm not lying about it. If you hook in, they got you. And they're studying your every behavior. They know what time of day you're more likely to fall for something perverse. They know what time of day you're, they know if you're trying to quit. They know if you haven't looked at something perverse in a long time. They know that if they don't come at you hard, then you're going to get free. And they will turn up the, the dial so, to, so they can keep you dialed in. I'm not making it up. The devil was always like that. Now he has an op. There's something coming out of his mouth that's becoming a flood. And Christians are constantly having their behavior modified and controlled by what they're reading and seeing. They don't realize everything they do, everything they buy, everywhere they go, they are being monitored. And that information is being stored in order to control their behavior. Now that's a fact. It is a global phenomenon. The world is, in in this illustration, the world absorbs the bulk of that evil and the church is spared. Somehow the church was able to disconnect from the flow of dark inspired media. And here's the only way that I know. Disconnect. This is my advice. I'm not controlling you. Let the world have the world and you make a decision. Take 30 days and say, I'm fasting all that junk. I'm going to disconnect. You will find you can live without it. So I'm going to make, you guys know I'm a Facebook guy. And you know my favorite cars are popping up all the time. But you know what? I'll make a deal with you. What is the date today? 23rd. All right. I'm out to the 23rd of next month. I'm off Facebook. I'm off media. Why don't you just try fast for 30 days and see if you can live without it? See if you can live without those video games for 30 days. You're like, I don't know if I can. See, some of you are like, <laughs> some of you just went already into the, you got the heebie-jeebies. You already, you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You can't. I mean, it's not controlling you, is it? You do control it still, don't you? I can't, I can quit anytime I want, man. I can, I can quit anytime I want. Oh, really? It doesn't look like it. You're freaking out in church. At the mere suggestion that maybe you should step back one step and stop allowing media to control your life. Number two, connect to God's word in a deep and consistent way. Number two, you want to, you want to restore the fear of the Lord in your life. It doesn't come from TV or football games. You must connect to God's word in a deeper way, in a consistent way. Psalm 119, I love this thing, 911. It's an emergency. Psalm 119, 911. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word, listening to God's word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. There is no other way to get your thinking right than to read something different. 
Stop listening to the wrong words and connect to the right words. There's no other way to do it. You've got to wash out with the washing of the word all that wrong images, all those wrong, all that wrong media, and you've got to hook up to the right media. God's media. A contaminated thoughts produce a contaminated life. Pure thoughts create a pure life. Number three, allow the fear of the Lord to protect you. Number three, allow the fear of the Lord to protect you. Listen, you get into God's word, suddenly you're going to have a voice inside of you saying, you know what, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to fool with that. You can either listen to that or you can just say, I'm going, I'm going to do it again. You can either ignore, the fear of the Lord is not going to bully your life. You have to respect the fear of the Lord and see that it's something wonderful. You have to allow it to protect you. Proverbs 16, 6, Amplified Version says this. By mercy and loving kindness and truth, wickedness is cleansed from the heart. And by the fear of the Lord, one avoids evil. In other words... God wants to cleanse you from all those wrong, that wrong thinking and wrong feeling. Then he wants to restore this part of you that says, I shouldn't do that. Because if you ever lose the I shouldn't do that, you're going to be controlled by the things that you do. If you keep justifying things that you know are hurting you, you are ignoring the fear of the Lord and you're not allowing it to protect your life. Grace is not God's power to overlook sin. Or I shouldn't say it's not simply God's power to overlook sin. Grace is God's power to overcome sin. And this is what it says about grace. In Titus, the second chapter, 11th verse. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. This same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. And it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. See, the grace of God is not God saying, nothing really matters to me. The grace of God is the teacher that teaches no. King James says, the grace of God has appeared to every man, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lust. So the grace of God is not teaching you how to say yes by saying no, nothing really matters to God. The grace of God is teaching you how to say no again. The grace of God is restoring the fear of the Lord to your life. Now, you know what? I'm going to say I've said enough because I have something important to finish with. Next week. We'll finish the last one because it really is so important. It's like almost the crux of what I'm saying. And I don't want to rush and let it, have it lose its impact. So let my son, who is having another baby soon. Actually, only baby he ever had. Actually, his wife's having it, but you know. Listen to me. God loves you. God believes in you. God loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Now, he will bring you to freedom, but you have to take it. Well, it's going to be hard. Listen, hard things are not bad things. The best things in your life are hard. School is hard. University is hard. Starting a business is hard. 
Being married is hard. Being happy is hard. The best things in your life is hard. The worst things in your life come easy. Overeating, overdrinking, overtalking, overthinking. The worst things are the easiest things. The best things are the things you paid for. And you have to decide, are you willing to pay the price for your freedom? Now, what do I mean? Well, thank God you don't have to go to the cross and pay for your sins. And thank God you don't have to somehow muster up the power to be free. But you do have to shut the door on who you used to be. And come into faith and say, you know what? I don't care what it takes. I'm going to be free. Not because of my wife. Not because of the pastor. Not because of my kids. But because God made me with a great purpose. And I'm not going to have my body and my weaknesses ruining my purpose. Now you need to come into hope where you hope that you could be different. And then after you come into hope, you need to come into faith and say, you know what? God promised it and I believe it. See, many are called but few are chosen. I never understood that till I understood God puts a word out there and you decide whether you ignore it or whether you take it. Whether you choose to stay the same and continue to live contaminated lives or you say, you know what? It doesn't have to be easy. I don't even have to be mistake free, but I'm disconnecting. I'm repenting. I'm going to connect to God's word and I'm going to let the fear of the Lord begin to rebuild. I told you last week, when you do something you know is bad for you and wrong, God has a line there called the fear of the Lord. And every time you're tempted and you cross it, it disappears a little bit. And pretty soon, you can cross it, you don't even feel bad. And pretty soon, you'll cross and say, this is who I am. A sickness, a deception begins to work in your mind, and then you just can't help it. The fear of the Lord redraws that line where you say, you know, not for me. No, thank you, man. I don't want that. No, thank you. I, I, look, I, I'm not condemning or judging anybody, but guess what? I don't do that. Other people might, but I don't. Well, am I going to go hell if I do it? Nope. Jesus paid for my salvation. This has to do with my purpose in this life. Am I going to be what God called me to be? And my body is working against me if I cross that line. And I'm not going to live a conflicted life. I made my mind up. My purpose is worth more than a few moments of pleasure. My purpose is worth, worth more than that habit that I really love. You don't need that thing. You think you do, but you don't. You think it's your friend, but it's your enemy. It's been lying to you. It's been deceiving you and stealing. But God is on your side. God is not against you. Jesus came because God is for you. And he made a way. And he has the way to redraw that line. But you have to stop loving this right here. Even though you might still have some affection toward it. What did David say? He said, when I considered or I treasured evil in my heart. He said my flesh was pining away. He, he just said I was just miserable. He said but when I took out that sin and I called it what it was he said my life returned to me. See the enemy won't tell you about what's waiting for you on the other side when you make the right decision. Because it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. He doesn't want you to know about that. He wants you to feel sorry for yourself and continue to cripple yourself. I love that song. Um, that
that Johnny Cash in his older years wrote, I hurt myself today. Because you didn't help yourself when you crossed that line. You hurt yourself again. And you need to start calling it what it is. You didn't help yourself with that drug or that thing that you do. You didn't help yourself. You erase that line one more time. Only God can redraw it and cause you to put your chest out and your shoulders back and say, you know what? I used to be that. I'm not that anymore. You say, well, Christians, you know, should have power. Listen, Christians can have anything they want. You want worldliness? You can have it. God won't stop you. Neither did he stop the prodigal son. He blessed him as he went. You want a life of compromise. This is, your, this is your life. It's like you want garbage in your front yard. You can have it. Nobody can make you do what's right. You want poison in your house. You want to keep snakes. No one's going to stop you. That's what freedom is. But you have to say, my house is better than this, and my yard is better than this, and this is who I am, and God made me for better things than this. Yes, I could do it, but I'm not going to do it. Just, just help me out for a moment. How many of you know that what I'm talking about is real life, isn't it? How many of you believe Jesus can affect you in the real world? Your real life. It's not just a Sunday morning thing we say we believe. How many of you believe the cross is more powerful than sin? It is. It is. Now, you can say, my life's a horrible mess. I don't know how to get out. Don't worry about it. God's got this. Don't be overwhelmed by how bad it is. This is what God is asking from you. One step. You take one step before God and you took one step into the grace of God. You don't have to get it all right. You don't have to make everything right in one fell swoop. But you take one step and you let God know that you ain't playing. And then you take another step and you say, I'm not living like that. And even if you get knocked down a couple of times, and God forbid you would, but you know what? Even if you do, you just make your mind up. God's with me. God is with you in this journey. God is looking for the courageous, not the perfect. God is looking for the honest, not the flawless. God is just looking for people who say, you know what? I, got, I want God. I've been knocked down, stressed out, hurt. Okay, okay. God's with you. But you can't keep justifying the things that are hurting you and do well you got to have the courage to step out, and this is your day. For us, this is in the year, this is called Rosh Hashanah. and the Jewish calendar, this is the beginning of the new year. This is the time to leave the old things behind and step into the new. Ironically, it's the, with our church, it's the same time. It's our anniversary. It's a, time, it's a time to put that last year behind us and say that we don't have a past. All we have is a future. We don't have any problems. All we have is opportunities. This is our time to conquer. This is our time to overcome. Would you have the courage to leave the past behind? Would you have the courage to shut it off? Would you have the courage to let the earth open up and let the earth have all that, let the world have all that, and you make yourself separate and let God deliver you from that thing? Come on, stand up with me. Come on, if you don't mind, just, if, if, just slip your hands up to Jesus. Because the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro over the whole earth, looking for someone's heart that is truly his, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. God is looking for a hand to be raised.
in the spirit to say, Lord, I don't care. I want you. I don't know what to do, but I want you. Come on, be that person. Just lift up your hand and say, Lord, I surrender. Listen, brothers and sisters, there is no victory without surrender. There is no change without a death. He brings us through, not through a slow process, but he brings us through death to life. And he's willing to bring you through that as many times as you need to come through until you are free. Come on with your hands lifted and say, Lord, it's me. Pray with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I repent and I disconnect from the spirit of this age. Today, I begin a fast. I'm cutting off the world. I'm cutting on your presence. I don't need it. It will not control me. I'm disconnected. I receive your forgiveness for allowing contamination in my mind, in my eyes, in my body. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your cleansing. I receive the power of your word. It's washing my mind. Washing my thoughts. And breaking every agreement that evil has with my body. I renounce Satan. I renounce perversion. I renounce darkness and all the power of darkness. And I speak in the name of Jesus to the force that held my life. Get out of my life right now. Get out of my home. Get out of my mind. Get away from my children. Get out of my business. I evict you right now. Guilt, I evict you. Shame, I evict you. Darkness, I evict you out of my life. You're no longer welcome. Now with your hands, let me say, Lord Jesus, I receive your grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you into my life. Come and do for me what I couldn't do for myself. Come on. Say, I reach out and receive the grace of God. Come on, say it. We say, I'm standing before the cross. And at the cross, all darkness is being absorbed from my life. And I receive at the cross of Jesus not just any grace, but the very grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is mine. The same grace that was on Jesus, I declare as a member of his body, that same grace is upon my life. I receive the fear of the Lord is restored in my life. The line is being redrawn, and I'm walking into my destiny. I'm no longer going back and forth and living a life of compromise. But I have made up my mind. It's only Jesus.
I only want to eat from the tree of life. I renounce the tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. I renounce that tree. I don't want to be around that tree. I have determined I only eat from the tree of life, the tree of obedience, the tree of the fear of the Lord. Now, Lord, keep me. I humble myself. I am what I am. I receive your power over my life to walk a different path. And I know I will because you are with me. I receive your grace to win this race in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, can you give the Lord a shout, everybody, if you believe it? Come on, give God a great shout. Say, yeah. Woo. Well, hug somebody on your way out. God bless you.